This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to learn more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In this teaching on the path of Dharma, Reggie encourages to trust inspiration, stay with discomfort, and leap to the unknown. Each stage of the path, Hinayana, Mahayana, and Vajrayana, involves ever deeper levels of these themes. This talk was given at the 2004 Winter Datun Retreat held in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. To find out about the upcoming Winter Meditation Intensive at the Blazing Mountain Retreat Center in Crestone, Colorado, please visit dharmaocean.org. So my <clears throat> intention during this um, particular hour or this period, the 5 o'clock time, is sometimes to talk to you and sometimes just to sit with you. I'm not going to be giving talks every day. The you know, basic situation is that the teacher, your real teacher, is, we could say it's your own awareness, we could say it's your own intelligence, we could say it's the space of the Datun, you know, that's really where the teaching is happening throughout the day. And my job, you know, the job of the human teacher is to connect you in with that ongoing teaching activity. When I teach, my job is to give voice to the space. It's to express what is already going on. It's not to initiate or originate anything. The space is the mind of Trungpa Rinpoche. In the beginning, sometimes it's difficult for us to hear his voice. And it's not because that voice is so quiet, but it's because it's so real that we can't believe that could possibly be the Dharma. It's so real. It's the reality of our life. And in the beginning, we tend to overlook the most obvious things. My job, the job of the human teacher, is to direct your attention to what is already happening in the space, to what you already know to be true. So it's important that I say enough to direct your attention in that way, but it's also very important that I don't say too much, because you already have what you need, and you already actually know what you need to know. And it's very important that I don't get between you and your own process, and the Dharma that is unfolding in your own life. So sometimes I will talk to you, and sometimes I'll just sit with you. And as the Datun goes on, this is my hope, and of course, 
there are a lot of things that come up in the datum that I have to pay attention to. You know, um, today I was very happy because at three o'clock I could come and actually sit with you. It made me very happy. Sometimes there are other things that I have to do, but I guarantee my heart is here and I'm thinking about you the whole time and I want to be down here as opposed to someplace else. But sometimes, you know, all I can say is enjoy the time that you have here because later you'll have other things you have to pay attention to and you won't be able to be down here sitting, you know, and and then you're really going to want to be down here and you won't be. So just, uh, you know, appreciate your situation now. It's very, very precious. So one thing I want to uh, say today is please make the Dharma the center of your life. Beginning right now, please make the Dharma the center of your existence. And you could say, well, what is the Dharma? The Dharma is the inner experience of space. And the Dharma, strangely (coughs) enough, is the unreasonable voice. As you live your life, there are things that come up inside you that are unreasonable. They don't fit in to the conventional expectations, especially of yourselves. All of us have a certain kind of picture of our life and a picture of reality. And we think that we know what we're doing and how we should live and what needs to happen and what we need to do. And then something else happens. There's this kind of unreasonable voice that surfaces within. And somehow on a certain level, we know that that's our inner voice. We know that that's our inner intelligence. But sometimes what it's asking doesn't really seem to make that much sense in terms of the thing that we've built up. And the Dharma is learning to trust the unreasonable voice. The strange thing is, in this entire universe, if you go from one end of time to the other, if you go from the beginning of time to the end of time, and if you go from the beginning of space to the end of space, you will find that nothing ever is unreasonable and nothing is ever wrong in terms of what actually occurs and what arises by itself. The only problem comes in terms of our hesitation and our lack of trust. That's the only problem that ever happens. So when the unreasonable voice surfaces, it's so very important to make that the basis of your life and to trust it and to contemplate it and see what it's saying. And then always when the truth arises within us, there comes a moment when you have to leap. You can't make everything okay. You can't satisfy all the people in your life ever. You can't create a situation. I mean, sometimes people realize they have to leap, but they say, you know, I will leap as soon as I get the landing place all straightened out. As soon as the landing place, you know, I'm going to put down a few mattresses. I'm going to put up a, you know, a little fence so I don't go over the edge. And, you know, we work on the landing place for years and years and years, and somehow it never happens. The landing place is never safe. You always have to leap before you're ready to leap. 
and you have to leap into what you don't know, always. Even if it's like saying hello to somebody, even saying hello to somebody, maybe there's somebody here that you want to connect with, and you want to say hello, and you're kind of waiting until the right moment happens. The right moment from ego's viewpoint never happens. And if we wait for the right moment, it's never going to happen. At a certain point, we have to simply do it. We have to act on the dangerous inspiration. So please make the Dharma the center of your life, because truthfully, nothing else is reliable at all. You know, this is what it says in these very, these very old texts in very strange languages. It says, the Dharma is the only reliable thing that there is. And the strange thing is, it's actually true. It was true for them 2,000 years ago, and it's still true. The unknown is the only reliable dimension of reality. The leap is the only reliable technique of how to live. So please don't be afraid to make the Dharma the center of your life. Now it's interesting that in the Tibetan tradition there are deepening levels of how to do that, which I will simply mention to you, and uh, some of you already know them. The first one is known as the Hinayana, which is the first stage. And that stage is that you don't let yourself drift into the idea that you can be happy in an ordinary way. That you realize that all of the hopes and all of the dreams and all of the wishful thinking is not going to lead to anything. That is the first stage on making the Dharma the center of your life. It's a realization and it's also a commitment to kind of really look. When you start to think, you know, if I did this, I could really be happy. That you actually look at that very, very closely. And you follow it out and you see what is what really would happen. You know, and you can go through this whole process. You know, okay, um, I saw this picture of this, uh, uh, at CU, they used to have this um, picture on the Department of Religious Studies wall, and it was a picture of this beautiful house out on a, a point of land, and it had a, a five-car garage, <laughs> and there were five, you know, Mercedes-Benz, a Maserati, you know, a Jaguar, you know, lined up, and it said, the fruits of education. <laughs> yeah. This was, like, if you get educated, this is what you can have. So, you know, the, the subject of contemplation at that point would be, what would I have to do to actually get that house and those cars? What kind of person would I have to marry? What kind of job would I have to have? What would I have to do to the people around me in order to get there? What would it be like to be living at that level? What would my day look like? Um, what kind of mortgage payment would I have? <laughs> Could I really have time actually to develop myself, or would I, my whole life be expended on maintaining this, this situation? You know, in other words, you actually look at, you look at things and you take them apart and you see what actually is involved in your little dream. Or another one is, maybe there's somebody that um, 
you kind of see and you're initially attracted to them and you feel, um, you know, as you, I think you already know that in the Datun, you can sit there on your cushion and go through an entire relationship. (laughs) And a very helpful kind of contemplation is, what what if this, uh, you know, just visualizing what this person is actually like, you know, what their childhood was probably like, the traumas that they suffered, the... You know, what, what they're going to want from you, the children, if, if you, you know, wind up you know, <laughs> with a few children, you know, one of them is, you know, extremely oppositional. In <laughs> and then it's very helpful, actually, to go further that, um, you know, this, this supposed partner turns out to be uh, very, very angry at the opposite sex. And there's, you know, years and years of expensive therapy (laughs) just to try to maintain the marriage. And then, basically, they end up having affairs with other people. In other words, you know, (laughs) when you, you know, you're taking your fantasy of how great it could be, and you're injecting a lot of reality into it, and you are sort of allowing yourself to come down to earth, and that is, at the Hinayana level, these kinds of contemplations are actually very, very helpful. I have a very successful life, and then I find out at the age of 28 or 30 that I have terminal cancer, which happens to people. We need to go through these contemplations so that, that we realize that no matter what we think and no matter what we hope will happen, it's probably not going to be that way, and it's probably actually going to be much more real and much more in our face and much more, not any different at all from what we're doing right now, except that we'll be much more distracted and we won't be able to work on ourselves. You know, there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The pot of gold is actually here, on our end of the rainbow. And the Hinayana level is realizing that, and not hoping for some kind of ultimate healing, or ultimate answer, or ultimate relationship fulfillment, And when that comes up, you bring yourself back. That's what it means at the Hinayana level to make the Dharma the core of your existence. You keep yourself home. You keep yourself with your current experience and with your life. And then, you know, when that has been, that point of view has been uh, not perfected, but when it's been established in your state of being, then the next level of keeping the Dharma at the center of your life is known as the Mahayana, which involves a commitment to the welfare of others. And at that point, you do not depart from the commitment to other people's welfare. Now, you might think, you know, when people take bodhisattva vows, which is what happens in the Mahayana, you might think, I can do that. I can include people in my thinking. I can develop compassion. I'll do a lot of Tonglen, and I'll generate a lot of compassion to other people. But here's the important point, and this is something that is often missed. When we live our life, we are constantly meeting people, 
and we have our ambitions, and we have what we want to do, and we actually want to use other people to accomplish our end, and we're willing to step on them and walk on their face, and we say, well, you know, I'm saving all sentient beings. You know, I have this big, important project to do. In the short run, what we're doing is we are actually walking on the corpses of other people in order to accomplish our end. And if other people are suffering or other people are dying, it's like, well, my vision is too important. You know, I'm sorry, I can't worry about these people because I have this big thing I have to do. Every moment of our life, we meet other people. And the challenge before us at the Mahayana level is that in every single instance, the welfare of the person across from us is the primary goal, it's the primary value. And there are no excuses for hurting other people. And there are no excuses for harming others or even ignoring them. When someone comes to you and you can see what they need, first of all, you have to open your eyes. You have to realize that this person in front of you is the person that I have to help. When I say, I vow to save all sentient beings, the way you save them is through saving or helping or giving in or assisting the person right in front of you. That's how you do it. This is not a general kind of vow. It's very specific. So to keep, at the Mahayana level, to keep the Dharma at the center of your life is that every single person you meet, their welfare is the primary goal, even if it costs you your life. That's the vow. It could cost you your job. It could cost you your reputation. It could cost you your sense of financial security. It could cost you your own comfort. It could cost you your self-image. But that person in front of you is the person that you must take as the beginning and end of your bodhisattva vow. And you think you might think this is some big deal or some big dramatic thing, but every time we meet someone, if we truly listen to who they are, they will ask us to do something or to say something or to be a certain way that we don't that we're not prepared for, and it makes us actually step over ourselves. If you have a meeting with someone and you come away feeling um, you know that pretty much what you thought was going to happen, happened, you didn't meet that person. Every human encounter we have, if we are really there, requires us to step over ourselves and to take the leap that I'm talking about. That's keeping the Dharma at the center of your life. And any other excuses or rationalizations, any other promises, you know, I'm sorry, I promised this person that, that I would do this, and so I have to walk on people to do it. I'm sorry. That doesn't work. Any promise that you've made to anybody that requires you to, to, to ignore the welfare of the person in front of you is not a valid promise. And the Bodhisattva vow dissolves all those kind of promises. Your promise is to help the people that you're with. And then, just in case you felt that wasn't quite challenging enough, <laughs> we have the Vajrayana vow, which is, you could say, well, how is the, what is the Vajrayana level of keeping the Dharma at the center of my life? Now, I realize that a lot of you are, 
not at the Hinayana level, even in terms of understanding. So this is understood. But what I'm doing here is I'm kind of giving you a little map of what it means in this lineage to train, and you do have to train, in keeping the Dharma at the center of your life. So we have the Hinayana level, which is renouncing personal comfort and security, and renouncing them not because they're bad, but because they don't exist. It's not there. It doesn't exist. The Mahayana level of taking the person in front of you as your object of practice and their welfare. The Vajrayana level is how do we keep the Dharma at the center of our life by not doubting what arises in our stream of being, whether it makes sense or it doesn't make sense, whether it's black or white, whatever it is, trusting the calling, the requirement, the compelling nature of each moment of our life and staying right with our life and following the thread of what arises, which has nothing to do with the thread of ego. It has nothing to do with maintaining the coherence or the security of ego. As a matter of fact, what arises in our life at each moment demands that we step out of our ego network to meet it nakedly. To download more of Reggie's teachings, find out about upcoming retreats, and to explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your spiritual journey, please visit dharmaocean.org. Music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion.